Hey guys, the following episode is extremely, extremely graphic. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Please do not listen around children. If topics such as murder, torture, mutilation, or kidnapping are triggering for you, please, please skip today's episode and go back and listen to another one of our episodes. As always, thank you so much for coming back to us every week. The support means the world to us. Remember, be kind and stay weird. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we make you sick to your stomach for two hours straight. Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do today. And please know that we are recording right after eating our weight in pasta and breadsticks at Olive Garden. Yeah. So if us telling you this story after that doesn't explain who we are as people, I'm not sure what will. Uh, Well, we're definitely not going to want to eat the rest of the day after this. I mean, I have leftover ravioli for later. That is true. And one breadstick. Yeah. I'm going to eat it. I don't know if I'm going to have fucking time to eat. I, I need to unbutton my to pants. Do. I'm really full. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That's like life goals. Yeah. Just. Ugh. So today's episode sucks. Um, so we're going to keep the intro short. And sweet, so we can get straight to ruining your day. Um, I dare say this will be the worst case we cover ever. Yeah, so um, just go ahead and stop listening now. You won't regret it. <laughs> and those of you who stick around, you're going to regret it. You will regret it. And also, welcome. You're also a sick fuck. <laughs> Um, we will go ahead and repeat what was already at the very beginning of this. If there's any kids around, please do not listen to this around them. Please. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not. Or like the elderly. Anyone who like is precious to you, don't listen to this around them. They will question their thoughts and feelings about you as a person. Yeah. But I mean... This happened, so we have to say it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please go ahead and just um, go back to the listener discretion. List that a few times before you make your decision to proceed. Really think about this. Yeah. You're making a life choice today. You are. (laughs) The last couple of weeks have been like super cash. Yeah, really kind of lighthearted. Yeah. I mean, like last week was kind of a history lesson almost. Yeah. Yes. So, um, brace yourselves. This sounds really like we're being drama queens, but we're (laughs) We're really not. not. We're really not. We are not. Okay. So before we start with the worst shit ever, um, you can please visit our social channels. Yes. The Instagram at what if I told you pod. 
That's where it all happens. Our TikTok. Mm-hmm. Just what if I told you podcast? Yep. And I believe our TikTok is linked on our Instagram bio. It is. So you can go to our Instagram bio, click the link, and it will take you to our TikTok so that you can follow us. Right. There is a Facebook page. Is it in operation? I don't think so. Um, I think that when I post on TikTok, I usually post it on Facebook, but I don't know. I don't know if what I'm posting on Instagram is sharing to our Facebook page. It's selected, but... Yeah. I think it's... I think it does happen, like, automatically. Yeah. Either way, Facebook is borderline obsolete, so... Yeah, just follow us on TikTok and Instagram. And yeah. Email yeah, yeah. us. What have yeah. I told you podcast at gmail.com. That's right. Get, get in the Gmail. So, we already talked about food. We had Olive Garden. It was delish. It was really good. Uh, we started out the day at Sonic to get drinks before we went to do official business errands. Mm-hmm. They gave me sweet tea instead of unsweet tea, and I thought I was going to choke and die. Yeah, that happened. And we had already, like, gotten most of the way out of town, mm-hmm. so I couldn't, like, send it back. Right. So I just, you know, was thirsting until we job. got to lunch. Yeah, we'd only ordered drinks. Two drinks. And unsweet tea is simple. It's just tea with nothing in it. The only way you can fuck up an unsweet tea order is to give them a sweet tea. That's right. Which I'm not an unsweet tea drinker. Sweet tea all the way. But I know what it's like to get an unsweet tea. Yes, it's it's the exact same, but right. just opposite. Right. I don't drink any like sugar drinks. Mm-hmm. I just can't. My body rejects it. On, like, a cellular level. Yeah. So. I wish mine would. Like, you know, sometimes I'll get crazy and I'll get a vanilla Sprite at Sonic. That is crazy. But I can never drink all of it. I can get, like, two solid drinks out of it and yeah. then I'm done. That's it. That's it. I never finish a Sonic drink. If ever. It's, if it's on sweet tea, I will finish that shit all day. Because <laughs> it's like drinking water. Just gross water. Basically. Not... Well, it's the best, but it's like drinking water. <laughs> it's like drinking, like, dirty, like, sour water. That's mm. what unsweet tea tastes like. <laughs> no. However, unsweet tea is, like, the only drink aside from water mm-hmm. that makes me feel less thirsty. Yeah, tea makes me feel thirsty. It, because of the sugar. <laughs> it's yeah. the sugar. Any type of drink with sugar in it makes me feel thirsty and, like, I have a film on my mouth. Mm. And it's – I hate it. I just really hate it. So I don't do sugar in coffee. I don't do sugar in anything Mm. that I'm drinking. I do creamer in my coffee, but – Just a little half and half or black. Either one is acceptable to me. But – uh. So sugar, I try to limit how much sugar I intake because it's so bad for you. Right. Um, and if, and I like to save my daily amounts of sugar for like ice cream. I want to eat my sugar. I don't want to drink it. Yeah, I get that. So anyway, that's your exposition on sugar. Yeah. Don't eat sugar. Um, and don't be like this guy. Yeah. For fucking real. Uh, okay. So, um... Even his name is uncomfortable. It is. Maybe, maybe it's, like, confirmation bias a little bit. Like, it's uncomfortable because we know what he did, 
And so it has marred his name, so it's just confirming what we already think, but... I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I don't... We don't really have much of a Chip's Corner. No, we haven't really given Chip a lot to work off of. Um, He's going to be here soon, though, hopefully. Yeah. We'll just hit you with that one when it happens. We won't even, like... We're not going to work up to it. We're just going to go straight in. It's just going to happen, and it'll be great. Yeah. Maybe Chip can start, since we're not giving him enough to work with in our episodes. I'm sure he'll have a lot of corner pieces for next episode (laughs) after this one. Um, He can uh, just make something up that he wants us to say for him if he wants to. Yeah, he can. Chip, you can do whatever you want. We give you creative license. Right. That's official. It's official. We have both signed off on it. I second that. As the CEOs of this operation. Yes. I'm going to start putting podcast CEO on my resume. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you... I have seen a lot of, like, business TikTok. Some For some reason, TikTok thinks that I'm interested in businesses and side hustle and, like, finance. Yeah. Which is fine. I am, but... I don't know why the algorithm just hits me with that. But a lot of people say that if you do something like a podcast or a blog or whatever, you should put it on your resume. Why not? I have never, because I have always like viewed this as a hobby, something that's like fun that it's, we do. It's just like us hanging out like in an organized fashion. Yes. That's it. it yes. But so, there's still a lot of work. There is a lot of, there is a lot of work that goes into it. As far as, like, research, writing, formatting, editing, doing all of the tech and social media and all of that. It's a whole thing, Mm -hmm. but I never think of it as work that I would put on a resume, but you totally can. Yeah. Never occurred to me. Yeah. I mean, if I ever did that and then, like, my place of employment asked me to speak publicly for some reason because I podcast, I'd be like, no. Uh, my conditions for the speaking engagement, I need a room where I am alone. Right. And no one can see me. No one can see me or respond to me. Yes. And you can record it. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's it. No video, just audio. Yes. Today, we are going to do Albert Fish. I'm sorry. He is... Quite honestly, the worst human to ever plague the earth. Yeah. I mean, he's... Yeah, you're right. He's definitely top five. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as always, with horrible stories, we are going to start out with the victim list. Now, these first three are confirmed victims. Francis X. McDonald, age eight. Billy Gaffney age four. Oh, that makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Grace Bud, age 10. And these next five are suspected victims. Emma Richardson, age five. Yetta Abramowitz, age 12. Robin Jane Liu, age six. Mary Ellen O'Connor, age 16. And Benjamin Collings, age 17. And the last 
several victims. What is that? The last five victims that are suspected. Um, we, because of the breadth and length of this story, um, we have listed them in the victim section, but we're not going to talk about their story specifically because there's a lot that goes into the three that are confirmed victims. Right. And so we're not going to actually go into Emma, Yetta, Robin, Mary Ellen, or Benjamin. Okay. So now we're going to talk about Albert Fish's childhood. Um, he was born Hamilton Howard Fish, May 19th, 1870 in Washington, D.C. So this is an old ass case. Yeah. 1870, this motherfucker is born. 1870. Okay. Damn. Um, his parents were Randall and Ellen Fish. First of all, the last name Fish. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Randall was 75 at the time of Albert's birth. His dad, 75 whenever he was born. So... That is late as hell in life to be having children, but we're we're totally judging it, honestly. I put in here, we're not judging it, but I I feel like my reaction <laughs> says, yes, I am. <laughs> um, his mom, Ellen, though, was only 43. Wait, no. She was 43 years younger than Randall. So that means she was in her 30s when she had Albert. So that's obviously, like, totally... average and normal for a woman to have children obviously a woman can't have children and when they're 75 yeah i don't even want to talk about how biologically unfair it is that a man can continue to reproduce until he fucking dies (laughs) and a woman they're like oh yeah your childbearing years you got 10 years to to make the decision if you want one yeah that's pretty much it gee fucking thanks (laughs) biology (laughs) so obviously randall passed away not long after albert was born he was only five when his dad died Mm -hmm. and ellen this put her in a weird financial situation because her husband is the breadwinner this is the 1800s she likely didn't work at all right so she put Albert into the St. John's Orphanage in Washington, D.C., since clearly the reasoning is that she didn't financially have the means to pay to take care of him. Yeah. So since Randall was the source of income and that was lost whenever he passed away, um, while he was in the orphanage, Fish was abused often, which I think... That's pretty commonplace with orphanages at this right. time. Really, really sad. Um, he was abused often, and some reports say he eventually began to enjoy the physical pain of the abuse. Oof. Mm, we're going to call that a red flag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by 1880, when Fish was 10, his mom had secured a government job and was then then able to care for him once more. So she removed him from the orphanage and he went back home to his mother. So it sounds like 
his parents were decent enough parents. Like, obviously, his dad passed away when he was five, so there's not really much there for his dad. But his mom seemed to be trying to make the right decisions for him. Right. And got him back as soon as she could. So he spent five years in the orphanage. Um, When he was 12, he began... um, It's in the articles I read, it said a romantic relationship with a telegraph boy, roughly the same age. 12. I mean, do you have romantic relationships at 12? I don't I don't know. That seems a weird way to label that. It it does. But that's what it said. Um, I don't think that Albert Fish ever self-declared to be gay. But it appears as though he was at least interested in males on some level. Um, so during this period, he, this boy introduced him to uh, certain like sexual fetish things, which seems crazy for people who are 12 years old. Yeah, especially in 1880. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I was very confused reading this, especially now I'm going to tell you what those fetishes are. Oh, Hold on God. to your hats because it's really bad. So this telegraph boy introduced Fish to practices, uh, urolangia, which is drinking urine. Uh, 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 I don't know how to pronounce that correctly. Urolagnia? Urolagnia? Urolagna? I don't know. It kind of looks like lasagna at the end there. It, it does, kind of. Um, and then also coprophagia? Coprophagia? You think that's right? Chip. I'm going to go with coprophagia. I like it. Well, I don't like it, but I like Which it. is eating feces. I'm so unhappy about that. <laughs> um, so the telegraph boy introduces fish to these two things. So that's great. Um, Good start. Yeah. We got orphanage in the 1800s and now this. Um, and we're only 12. We're only 12. Um, that's horrifying. Goodness. So this is after this like introduction to these kinds of fetishes at age 12 really from here on out fish is just diving in deep to everything nefarious like it just get goes from here downhill at a high rate of speed he started going to public bathhouses in order to watch other boys undress uh we call that a crime these days he would do this Almost every single weekend. And uh, yeah, this is the tip of the iceberg for his creeptastic behavior. Uh, yeah. So that's his childhood. Whew, that was rough. This is just not okay. Yeah. We're going to get into his early adulthood now. <sighs> Great. And of course, this is really when the horror show starts. So... What are we, like, 20 minutes into this episode? (laughs) Yeah. Good deal. So we are once again going to take the opportunity to warn you that we are about to get into, like, the worst of the worst. 
please do not proceed with this episode if you think anything fucking terrible can be troubling to you. Yeah. So Fish moved to New York City around 1890, so he's 20, and he claims that at this point he was working as a sex worker and had also begun to rape young boys. No. Mm -hmm. Uh, No. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of go through this. We all know this is fucking horrible. Yeah, it's the worst. In 1898... So Albert is 28 at this point. Um, His mom arranged a marriage for him to Anna Mary Hoffman. She was 19 at the time of their marriage. They would eventually have six children. Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry. Damn. So many kids. Lots of kids. While working in Wilmington, Delaware in 1910... So he is now 40. 40? Is he is he fucking 40? Yeah. Yeah. He's fucking 40. He's 40. Um he meets a 19-year-old man named Thomas Kedden. He took Kedden to where he was staying while working in Wilmington, and most reports phrase this as quote, the two began a sadomasochistic relationship. But I don't think this is appropriate, as the reports also say that it's unclear if Kedden was consenting. Right. So. That doesn't make sense. Right. I think, you know, there are people out there who are consenting adults and who do BDSM type of shit, and that's what they both like, and more power to them. That's not what we have here. <laughs> right. That is not the case here. No. Um, but the reports also say that Kedden may have been intellectually disabled. So we're not only going to call this, quote, relationship um, okay. We're going to call it ongoing sexual assault and abuse because that's exactly what it was. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're going to call this what it is. Uh, Yeah. So... Fish kept him at his place for around 10 days. Kept? Kept. This is like kidnapping. Kept. Kept. I. You don't keep people somewhere. No. You keep, like, your shoes somewhere. Yeah. You, you don't keep human beings anywhere. No. Like, <laughs> That's not acceptable. Ugh. After the 10 days um, at his place, at Fish's place... He then took him to an old farmhouse. So cue fucking creepy music at any point from here on out. Yeah. And uh, you might have guessed that this is when shit gets bad. I mean, it's been bad. It's getting worse. Yeah. So first, Fish began began to torture Kedden. And this took place over the course of 14 days. That is so long. That is so long. And he even went as far um, as cutting off Kedden's um, manhood. Like cutting it off. Like a way, like detaching it from his body. Yeah. 
I don't know if he cut off his entire penis, but he definitely cut off some of his penis. Any is too much. Any any is too much. That's right. The 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 kept for 10 days was too much. The torture for 14 days was way too much. An old farmhouse, really? I don't where what is this farmhouse? Ooh. I Is it just like an old like abandoned farmhouse? What is happening? I feel like it is. Ugh. So later when Fish was asked about Kedden, he stated that he had intended to kill him and take his body parts home. Uh, but he was too worried about the heat and the smell. Uh, so instead, he poured peroxide on the wound, wrapped it in a Vaseline-covered handkerchief, left a $10 bill with him, and straight up left him there like that. Yeah. $10 for what? I Bus fare? I don't know. This. Here's the thing. If he cut off any part of his penis, Kedden likely bled out. Like, yeah. it says he poured peroxide on there. Okay, that doesn't cauterize a wound, no. though. I mean, God, he probably bled out and died in that farmhouse. So Thomas Kedden has to be added to the victim list. Well, I mean, he is a victim even if he didn't die, obviously. But that dude had, he, the likelihood of him surviving that with the main artery that goes to the penis is absolutely unlikely. Mm. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the end of his marriage. His marriage to Anna Mary Hoffman, I think that's her name, is a back burner issue in this story, yeah, but we're yeah. going to talk about his wife leaving him. Yeah. Uh, why not? So his wife left him in January of 1917 for a handyman who had boarded in their house and his name was Don- John Straub. Uh, Anna seemingly left fish and their children and fish was just like a single dad after that. Which is disturbing yeah. in every single way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is hard to say what this did to his mental health because he clearly had some issues. Like that wasn't even the tipping point. He, right. So, uh, but he began to have auditory hallucinations. He even once wrapped himself in a carpet claiming he was following the directions of John the Apostle. So, okay. He was not acting normal, to say the least. Yeah, I can't think of the last time I wrapped myself in carpet. No. I'm trying to rid my entire life of carpet, so. Um, He also began self-harming at this time. So he would embed needles into his groin and abdomen. And x-rays after his arrest show that he had 29 needles lodged in his pelvic region. He just left them there? Yeah. How do you, like, go about your everyday life like that? I have no idea. Hmm. Just 29 needles all the way in there. Yeah. 
Um, he would also hit himself with a nail-studded paddle and insert wool covered in lighter fluid into his anus and light it on fire. Uh, I don't... I'm... Speechless. I, I also am. Which is not good. We are on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, while it is thought that Fish did not ever physically attack or abuse his children, he did encourage them and their friends to paddle his butt with the nail-studded paddle he used to self-harm. So, I feel like that is child abuse. Absolutely. So... He also began developing a growing obsession with cannibalism. So he would often prepare himself dinner consisting of raw meat and sometimes served this to his children. Okay. So we see where this is going. Yeah, we do. Um... Okay. We're going to get into the the escalation of this horror show. So this this is a little bit of a timeline-ish thing here we got going. Yeah, it's all kind of timeliney. Yeah, but uh yeah, we're going to yeah. 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 So this is going to sound more like a like a story this next part, really. Yeah. Yeah. Some short stories, if you will. If you will. So, in 1919, Fish stabbed an intellectually disabled boy in Georgetown, Washington, D.C., and he chose people who were either mentally handicapped or African-American as his victims, explaining that he assumed these people would not be missed when killed. Oh, my God. Fucking gross. He would later claim to have occasionally paid boys to procure other children for him. So, um, that is so, I mean, that is so <laughs> fucked up. I that, can't. That is like the predatory, that's predator at its peak. Oh my God. Uh, that, you know, ultimate predator right there. So... Fish had, like, like weapons that he would, like, torture, mutilate, and kill children with. Um, implements of hell, they were called. A meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a small hand saw. Yeah. Moving right along. <clears throat> On July 11th, 1924... Fish found eight-year-old Beatrice Keel playing alone on her parents' farm on Staten Island, New York. He offered her money to come and help him look for rhubarb. She was about to leave the farm when her mother chased Fish away. Um, Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. And Fish left, but returned later to the Keels' barn where he tried to sleep, but was discovered by Beatrice's father and forced to leave again. Three days later... Fish killed Francis McDonnell, who also lived on Staten Island. 
And during 1924, the 50-year-old fish suffering from psychosis felt that God was commanding him to torture and sex- sexually mutilate children. Um, no. No. That's not right. He's 54 years old, by the way. 54. Let's just talk about that. And this is the 1920s. So 54 in the 1920s, I feel like looks much different than 54 looks now. Uh, Yes. You know? Yes. we, We don't have the, you know, when I think of 54 now, I think of like Brad Pitt looking Still looking young. Right. Yeah, 54 now is not not old. But 54 in the 1920s, this guy was an old man. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so Fish attempted to test his implements of hell on a child he had been molesting named Cyril Quinn. Quinn and his friend were playing box ball on a sidewalk, which I feel like is four square. Don't you? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they were playing box ball on a sidewalk when Fish asked them if they had eaten lunch. When they said that they hadn't, he invited them into his apartment for sandwiches. Um, definitely weird. I don't know how weird that would have been then. Yeah, it's really hard to say. Um, I'm guessing his apartment is not that far away from where they are at. Yeah. So are they neighbors? Did they know each other? Did they know who he was? Stranger danger, I feel like, wasn't a huge thing Yeah. then. Yeah. I, I agree. But so they're in Fish's apartment and they were like wrestling around on his bed. Like the two boys were wrestling with each other on Fish's bed and they dislodged his mattress, and underneath was a knife, a small handsaw, and a meat cleaver. And uh, they were obviously super fucking scared, and they ran out. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I don't know if Fish was still making the sandwiches or what. Either way, they got themselves the fuck out of there. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so now we're going to talk about the murder of Grace Bud. So, on May 25th, 1928, Fish saw a classified ad in the Sunday edition of the New York World that read, quote, Young man, 18, wishes position in country. Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street, end quote. So, this is Grace Budd's older brother. He's looking for some work. In the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And on May 28th, Fish, who is now 58, visited the Bud family in Manhattan under the pretense of hiring Edward. He later confessed that he planned to tie Edward up, mutilate him, and leave him to bleed to death. Fish introduced himself as Frank Howard, a farmer from Farmingdale. That seems on the nose. Uh... He promised to hire Bud and his friend Willie and said he would send for them in a few days. Fish failed to show up, but sent a telegram to the Bud family apologizing and set a later date. When Fish returned, he met Edward's younger sister, Grace. 
he apparently at this point changed his intended victim from Edward to Grace. He quickly made up a story about having to attend his niece's birthday party. He convinced the parents, Delia Flanagan and Albert Budd, the first weird that his name is Albert Budd. Mm-hmm. Um, he convinced them to let Grace accompany him to the party that evening. The elder, Albert Budd, was a, was a porter for the United States Equitable Life Assurance Society. Uh, Grace had a younger sister, Beatrice, and then her older brother, Edward, and another brother named George. Uh, Grace left with fish that day and never returned. So I think it's really weird that this is the first time... Grace Bud's family is meeting Albert Fish, mm-hmm. and they let her go somewhere with him. Yeah, that's, that's super weird. Incredibly weird. Even for this time, I feel like incredibly weird. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, so after this, the police arrest 66-year-old superintendent Charles Edward Pope. On September 5th, 1930. So this is two years later. Yeah. And that he is a suspect in Grace's disappearance, accused by Pope's estranged wife. He spent 108 days in jail between his arrest and trial on December 22nd, 1930. He was found not guilty. I'm so confused about why the first thing they did wasn't to go and find Albert Fish. I guess... He did give them a weird, uh, a fake name, though. Well, that's true. After this, Fish wrote a letter to Grace Bud's mom. Now, we read this letter, and you can find it in our uh, sources. It's on the Wikipedia page about him, and um, if you want to read this letter, you can. It's out there. We're not going to read it on the air, though. No. It's um, it's really, really horrifying. And um, it's basically him in this letter to Grace Bud's mother telling her how he tortured and killed Grace. Yeah. In explicit detail, there's cannibalism involved. And it's really, really horrifying. So it's definitely not something we want to read. But it's out there. If you are listening to this and feel like in order to understand him more as an offender, you feel like you need to read it, it's out there. Just go to our sources. Uh, The quickest is probably going to the Wikipedia page. Yeah. And reading it. Um, But... Honestly, you you don't really need to. You don't need to. No. You do not. The letter was delivered in an envelope that had a small hexagonal emblem with the letters NYPCBA, which represented New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. That's ridiculous. 
Yeah. A janitor at the company told the police that he had taken some of the stationery home but left it at his rooming house at 200 East 52nd Street when he moved out. The landlady of the rooming house said that Fish checked out of that room a few days earlier. Mm. So she said that Fish's son sent him money and he asked her to hold his next check for him. William F. King was the chief investigator for this case. He waited outside the room until Fish returned. Fish agreed to go to the headquarters without questioning. So this is when he's being captured, if yes. you haven't gotten that. Yeah. Um, then brandished a razor blade at this investigator. Um, King quickly disarmed him and then took him to police headquarters. I mean. Yeah. This dude is nuts. He is. Yeah. He really fucking is. And Fish made no attempt to deny the murder of Grace Budd, um, saying that he meant to go to the house to kill Grace's brother, Edward. Okay, might as well, well throw that in there. I mean, hey. Um, Fish said it never even entered his head to rape the girl, but he later claimed to his attorney that while kneeling on Grace's chest and strangling her, he did have two involuntary... God, I don't want to say this in this episode. He did have two involuntary ejaculations. Jesus. Christ. Uh, this dude is the worst. There's no question. Like, I feel so numb, like, talking about this because it's so incredibly disgusting that I can't even think about what I'm saying as I'm saying it. Yeah. Um, it took me so long to write this episode, not because of the volume of information, but simply because I couldn't spend too long in one sitting reading the articles and typing this shit out yeah and not everything is in here oh no no not even close no like this is like just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to details yeah i we just simply uh, cannot no 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 it's it, it it's not serving any purpose no like, we're telling the story because this is a very well-known serial killer. And it's a huge story in the true crime world. And, I mean, it is it is it happened. And, you know, we shouldn't ignore that it happened because we need to be alert. People like this still exist. Still exist. Absolutely. However, we do not absolutely not have to go into details because it's gratuitous. Yeah. Yeah. And even though what we're talking about is terrible, I mean, we have to mention some of it. Yeah. So that information was actually used at trial to make the claim that kidnapping was sexually motivated. And this would avoid any mention of cannibalism. I don't know why they were trying so hard to avoid the cannibalism. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It It is weird. I don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing because this is like the 30s and they had no idea how to deal with something like this. 
I'm I feel like this is probably the first case with things like this for for this area for sure. Right. So now we're going to talk about the other two confirmed victims. Now, these murders were discovered after he had been captured for the murder of Grace Bud. So they happened prior to Grace Bud. Mm-hmm. But they were discovered afterwards. So the first is Francis McDonnell. Um, during the night of July 14th, 1924, nine-year-old Francis McDonnell was reported missing by his parents. He failed to return home after playing with friends in the Port Richmond neighborhood of Staten Island. A search was organized and his body was found hanging by a tree in a wooded area near his home. He had been sexually assaulted and then strangled with his suspenders. Uh, According to the autopsy, McDonnell also suffered extensive lacerations to his legs and abdomen, and his left hamstring had almost been entirely stripped of its flesh. Mm. Okay. Uh, Fish refused to claim responsibility for this, although he later stated that he intended to castrate Francis but fled when he heard someone approaching the area. McDonald's friends told police that he was taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache. A neighbor also told police he had observed the boy with a similar-looking man walking along a grassy path into the nearby woods. Um, Francis's mother, Anna McDonald, said she saw the same man earlier that day. She told reporters... He came shuffling down the street, mumbling to himself and making queer motions with his hands. I saw his thick gray hair and his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray. End quote. That's weird. That is weird. Um, This description resulted in the mysterious stranger becoming known as the gray man. Okay. I feel like I've maybe heard that term before. I don't know. The McDonald murder remained unsolved until the murder of Grace Budd, when several eyewitnesses, among them the Staten Island farmer Hans Keel, positively identified Albert Fish as the odd stranger seen around Port Richmond the day of McDonald's disappearance. Richmond County DA Thomas Walsh announced his intention to seek an indictment against Fish for McDonald's murder. At first, Fish denied the charges. It was only in March in March 1935 after the conclusion of his trial for Grace Bud and his confession to the killing of Billy Gaffney that Fish confirmed to investigators that he was also responsible for the death of McDonald. When the McDonald confession was made public, the New York Daily Mirror wrote that the disclosure solidified Fish's reputation as, quote, the most vicious child slayer in criminal history. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. He absolutely is. Next is Bill Gaffney, which Maddie just mentioned. On February 11th, 1927, three-year-old Billy Beaton and his 12-year-old brother were playing in the apartment hallway in Brooklyn with... 
four-year-old Billy Gaffney. When the 12-year-old left for his apartment, both younger boys disappeared. Beaton was found later on the roof of the apartment, alive, right? Alive. Yeah, he was alive. When asked what happened to Billy, Beaton said the boogeyman took him. And Gaffney's body was never recovered. Initially, serial killer Peter Kudzanowski was a suspect in the boys' murder. Then Joseph Meehan, a motorman on a Brooklyn trolley, saw a picture of Fish in the newspaper and identified him as the old man whom he saw February 11th, 1927. The old man had been trying to quiet a little boy sitting with him on the trolley. So, obviously, Fish snatched this kid. Obvious. And took him on public transit. That's yeah, so what, weird. What the fuck? Um, the boy was not wearing a jacket and was crying for his mother and was dragged by the man, Fish, on and off the trolley. And Beaton's description of the boogeyman matched Fish. Yeah. Police matched the description of the child to Gaffney, and detectives of the Manhattan Missing Persons Bureau were able to establish that Fish was employed as a house painter by a Brooklyn real estate company during February of 1927. On that day, he was working at a location just a few miles from where the boy was abducted. Why he was in that apartment, I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Fish made certain claims about what he had done to Billy Gaffney in a letter to his own attorney. I don't know what the fuck is with this dude in writing this shit in letters. It reminds me a little bit of BTK. Yeah. And that BTK wrote a bunch of letters. Ugh. It's, uh, it's... Again, it's a really disturbing letter. Um, It's pretty similar to the letter he sent Grace Bud's mom. Yeah. It's very, very similar. Yeah. So if you want to read it, it's in our sources. Highly recommend you don't, but... Yeah. Gaffney's mother, Elizabeth, actually visited Fish in Sing Sing, accompanied by Detective King and two other men. She wanted to ask him about her son's death, but Fish refused to speak to her. Um, he actually began to weep and was asked to be left alone. After two hours of asking him questions through his lawyer, James Dempsey, Mrs. Gaffney gave up. She was still unconvinced that Fish was her son's killer. That's so crazy. That is so crazy and so sad. I don't know so, how she did that. I, I have no idea either. Side note, Billy Gaffney's body was never recovered, and I don't think Grace Bud's body was ever recovered mm -hmm. either. Just... Side note. Um, so now we're going to talk about the charges, the trial, and the conviction. So Albert Fish was really only formally charged and tried in the murder of Grace Budd. Um, his trial for the murder of Grace Budd began March 11, 1935, in White Plains, New York. Frederick P. Close presided as judge and Westminster County Chief Assistant District Attorney God damn, that's fucking too many titles. It is. Uh, Albert F. Gallagher was prosecuting the case. Uh, so Fish's defense counsel, James Dempsey, was a former prosecutor and one-time mayor of Peekskill, New York. I don't know why I left that in there. Uh, whatever. 
Uh, Fish pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. He claimed to have suffered the following that would make him eligible for that plea. So he claimed to have heard voices from God telling telling him to kill children. Because God would tell someone to do that. Right. Got it. Got it. Very son of Sam. Um, He also had so many sexual abnormalities as to be called a, quote, psychiatric phenomenon by the psychiatrist who evaluated him. So some of the psychiatrists claimed that the number of sexual abnormalities that he had also contributed to his plea of insanity. Mm -hmm. So his sexual proclivities are were as follows. Sadism, masochism, flagellation, exhibitionism, voyeurism, picurism, cannibalism, coprophagia, urophilia, hematolognia, pedophilia, necrophilia, and fibulation. I only know a couple of those terms. Yeah. I didn't look them up because I didn't want to know. Right. Right. So if you are so inclined uh, to look into all of those things and you want to know what they are, please don't email us about them. Yeah. The defense's chief expert witness was Frederick Wortham. He was a psychiatrist with an emphasis on child development, and he conducted psychiatric examinations for New York criminal courts. So during two days of testimony, Wortham explained Fish's obsession with religion and specifically his preoccupation with the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac from Genesis. So, like, Abraham sacrifices Isaac, but Isaac is allowed to live, I think. I have no idea. I've read it, but it's been a while, and I don't, you know, I think Isaac ultimately lives Mm. because Abraham is willing to sacrifice him, and his, he, like, willingly does it. He accepts it, that he has to do it. And so the sincerity of his sacrifice, God's like, all right, well, you can, Isaac can live still. Right. I have no idea. I think that's the story. I'm not a theologian. Anyway, so apparently Fish was obsessed with this story from the Bible, and he believed that similarly sacrificing a boy would be penance for his own sin, and that even if the act of killing that boy in itself was wrong, angels would prevent it if God did not approve of it. That is the dumbest fucking logic ever. First of all. And Grace Bud was a little girl. Yeah. So I don't I don't understand that evaluation. No. But Wortham then detailed Fish's cannibalism, which in his mind he associated with communion. The last question Dempsey asked Wortham was, 
15,000 words long, detailed Fish's life, and ended with asking how the doctor considered his mental condition based on his life. And Wortham simply answered, he is insane. Okay. Okay. Um, Gallagher, the prosecutor, cross-examined Wortham on whether Fish knew the difference between right and wrong. He responded that he did know, but that it was a perverted knowledge based on his opinions of sin, atonement, and religion, and thus was an, quote, insane knowledge. The defense called two more psychiatrists to support Wortham's findings. Oh, God. So the first of four rebuttal witnesses was Menzis Gregory, the former manager of Bellevue, the psychiatric hospital in New York, where Fish was treated during 1930. He testified that Fish was abnormal but sane. Under Cross, Dempsey asked if uh, coprophilia, urophilia, and pedophilia indicated a sane or insane person. Gregory replied that such a person was not, quote, mentally sick, and that these were common perversions that were, quote, socially perfectly all right, and that Fish was, quote, no different from millions of other people, some very prominent and successful who suffered from the very same perversions. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> that that is a weird answer. Uh, I don't feel like having certain sexual preferences makes a person insane necessarily. Um, but I feel I, like the whole list itself taken in its entirety. Yes. I think yeah. that's, um, I think fish clearly suffered from mental illness, obviously, but simply suffering from mental illness doesn't absolve someone from responsibility from crimes and it doesn't warrant a not guilty by reason of insanity, necessarily. So it comes down to whether or not the jury ultimately believes that Fish knew right from wrong while he was committing the crimes. So that's that's the threshold for legally insane. Yeah. I think people get hung up on... Is someone insane or is someone legally insane? Right. They're very different. The threshold for getting to be declared not guilty due to insanity is much higher than being insane. Yeah. So, personally, I think he did know right from wrong. He lied He lied about his identity in order to snatch yeah. a, per- a girl. Yeah, so he was manipulative. He was manipulating that to me indicates a level of cognitive ability like he he knew at least enough that it was wrong to conceal his identity right or he would just be doing this out in the open yeah out here snatching kids without any concealment right exactly and this this whole trial testimony is specifically for the murder of grace bud so Mm -hmm. we're only talking about that incident he concealed his identity in order to get her yep he responded to an ad in the paper with the intention mm-hmm. and plan to snatch a person. Right. So this shows premeditation and planning. This shows that he had a level of sophistication in committing these crimes. He was clearly legally sane. Right. Now, was he mentally ill? Of course. You don't snatch yeah. children and 
murder them if you're not mentally ill. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So luckily, the jury agreed. And uh, none of them doubted that he was insane, but ultimately they felt that he should be convicted and they found him legally sane and guilty, and the judge ordered the death sentence. Oof. Clearly. So, Fish was executed. Of course he was. He arrived at prison in March of 1935. He was executed on January 16th, 1936. So, this is a very short time. This is an incredibly short time for someone to be on death row. Yes. Less than a year. I don't know what that was like in the 30s. Well, I don't think it was much different, honestly. Really? Yeah. I I think maybe you wouldn't see it being so long, Mm -hmm. but definitely more than a year. Right. Because while they still had the appeals process back at this time. Right. So that's why people sit on... I know a lot of people question, like, why is somebody on death row for so long for the executed. They have to be mm-hmm. in order to get through all of their appeals. Yeah. Because if you're convicted of a capital crime, you automatically have the right to file an appeal. Yes. And get that overturned. Either your sentence overturned or the whole conviction overturned. Right. Or a new trial. Like, that's what you're appealing for. And no matter what, if someone is convicted of a capital crime and they get life in prison or they get the death penalty... They always appeal because yeah. do you, you don't have anything to lose at that point. Exactly. So he was executed by electric chair at Sing Sing. Yeah. He entered the chamber at 11.06 p.m. and was pronounced dead three minutes later and then buried in the Sing Sing Cemetery. And also, Fish is said to have helped the executioner position the electrodes on his body. And his last words were reportedly... I don't even know why I'm here. That's, yeah. Excuse me, sir? According to one witness present, it took just two jolts before Fish died, creating the rumor that the apparatus was short-circuited by the needles that Fish had entered inserted into his body. But these rumors were later regarded as untrue as Fish reportedly died in the same fashion and time frame as others had in the electric chair. At a meeting with reporters after the execution, Fish's lawyer, James Dempsey, revealed that he was in possession of his client's final statement. This amounted to several pages of handwritten notes that Fish apparently penned in the hours just prior to his death. When pressed by the assembled journalists to reveal the document's contents, Dempsey refused, stating, I will never show it to anyone. It was the most filthy string of obscenities that I have ever read. That's not surprising. Why bring it up? It's not surprising. What What is kind of crazy to me and makes me wonder what is in the the pages is we have read the letter to Grace Bud's mother. We've read the letter he wrote to his attorney about Billy Gaffney. How Bo- much worse could how it be? How much worse could that be? Because the, his attorney obviously turned over the letter about Gilly, Billy Gaffney. Yeah. So what the fuck is in this final statement? Does he still have... Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's dead. He's probably dead, But yeah. did he keep it forever? I don't know. Did he turn it over to, like... Police? Police? 
I don't know. Maybe. That is fucking insane. What is in the final statement? I need to know. I don't need to know. Yeah. But I kind of do. It's that sick, like, curiosity. I I do. I absolutely do not want to know what's in it, but I do want to know what's in it. Exactly. I don't want to read it, but I want to know. Yeah. We'll never know. We we will never know. Probably like, we will likely never know. But um, so that's Albert Fish. It's truly, truly horrifying. I don't see how we could find a story any worse no. than this one. Absolutely not. So. Mm. I don't have any final thoughts. I don't either. Um, the only thing I put in our notes was fuck. Yeah. All cap. Because what else is there? There's nothing. That was exhausting. It was so exhausting. And you can... I. <laughs> we must have talked really fast. We did. Because we're clocking in at 1 hour 11 minutes right now and we've gone through 10 pages of information. I think it's because we didn't want to linger. That's absolutely right. This is, you know, we've done other stories that had a shorter outline that took 2 hours mm-hmm. to record. This is not one of those stories where we are going to crack jokes, right? Or speculate wildly about certain aspects or anything like that it's just not one of those stories that you can do that with mm-hmm. you know it's not it's just not my brain can't like form thoughts right now it's so horrifying i'm glad it's over it's over you can <laughs> check that off the list yeah i really do feel mentally exhausted from that Oh, it's, yeah. And there's a movie. Mm -mm. I think it's just called Fish. Ugh. Which makes it worse. I hate that so much. Um, of course I didn't watch it. What? Absolutely fucking not. No No way am I gonna watch this story played out on screen. Mm Mm-mm. I mean, of course there are tons of films made based on serial killers you've got Dahmer you've got fucking Bundy they're making another Ted Bundy film by the way please stop that is so unnecessary can we stop with the Ted Bundy pick someone else there are if you want to make movies about serial killers there are a lot more interesting ones than Ted fucking Bundy god that just Come on. Can we just stop it? And what what's so crazy to me. Okay, so the one that's where Zach Efron plays Ted Bundy, I watched it. It was fine. It was horrible, actually. He I was I watched that and I was like <laughs> this this was not needed. It was Totally unnecessary, first of all. It, it was, was... I didn't even think it was good. It was not a, a necessary film. They didn't need to make it. Uh, I I didn't hate it. Um, but it was a one-watcher for me. I'm not, like, chomping at the bit to rewatch it. I understand what they were trying to do. 
they made the movie based off of a book written by the girlfriend. So that's what the movie is. It's not about his crimes. I understood that before I watched it. So it, I think it made me understand the film better so I didn't hate it. I thought Zac Efron nailed it. Does that mean the movie's awesome? No. Um, do we need any more? Also, no. no. Absolutely not. Do you want to know who's playing uh, Ted? Who? It's Chad Michael Murray from One Tree Hill. What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? Excuse me? All these, like, hot guy actors are trying to, like, get serious by playing Ted Bundy. Please just don't. Just don't. You don't have to do this, Chad. Speaking of hot guys, did you see the TikTok I sent you of the girl, like, recording her mom while they all say happy birthday to her? And, like, Shia LaBeouf is just in the background of this restaurant singing with them. No. I haven't checked my TikTok. He's just, like, in a booth behind them, and he's, like, singing happy birthday with them, like, <laughs> right next to them. It's hilarious. Well, that's amazing. It kind of looks like a like a Cracker Barrel situation. Okay. Like a like a home style restaurant. Like somebody in that party ordered grits. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Awesome. Yeah. So I think I have a fever now. I mean, you might. I am sick now. We've done a lot of things today. You know what? This has been a busy day. We had some business to take care of earlier. We had to eat, obviously. Clearly. Then. We're, you know, making podcast magic. Yeah, and it's 3.45 p.m. Yeah, it's still early. It's still early. The day is young. The day is young. Yeah. It's hot in the pod pad, you guys. It's hot outside. I hate hot weather. Um, Everything about it. It's the worst. And my injured knee doesn't like it either because it, like... Keep swelling. Yeah. And it's real, like it feels really hot to the touch. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're sorry for today's episode. Had to be done. Had to be done. And Haley and Ariel, thank you for being the best part of today's episode. Yeah. Um, also, shout out to Ariel's mom. She's having some health issues. I don't have, like, all the details on it or anything, but... Just thinking about Ariel's mom. Absolutely. Uh, Fun fact, Ariel's mom and I share a birthday. The best people are born in July. July is an excellent month for birthdays. It is. And what's super weird is that I know three people that have my birthday that are in my life. Not just, like, people out in the universe. Like, Ariel's mom, my friend Amanda, and my friend Amanda's cousin Liz. All three of us have the same birthday, and we are all the same age. That's weird. That is weird as fuck. That's super (laughs) weird. It was super weird when we, like, first met, and, like, it came up to birthday time. I've never met anyone with my birthday. Really? Ever? It's a a weird experience to meet someone with your birthday in general, but then to realize that you're the same age, Mm -hmm. that's so weird. That is... I don't even remember when we realized that we had this that we had the same birthday and we were the same age. But I think we were talking about birthday plans. Mm-hmm. Like they said, "Hey, what are you doing on this day?" And Dakota was like, "Oh, we're going out. Maddie's birthday is on this day." And he's like, "Oh shit, that's Amanda's birthday." And they're like, "Oh, they're turning twenty four. 
Yeah. He's like, what? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That's very, that's unheard of. Yeah. We did celebrate our 30th birthdays together. Adorable. Love that. So, Lauren's birthday is coming up. Yeah. So many birthdays happen. I Here's the thing. I now am getting to where I have too much family, and so there are birthdays always. Mm-hmm. So, they're still mostly clustered in January, though. That's so common. January birthdays, dude. Yeah, we, we had this conversation I on know. the pod. I know. Something about the month of April really gets people going. He has arisen. <laughs> um, please look at our TikTok and Instagram and follow us on both. Yes, please. And comment on some shit. Yeah, share the shit, you know. Do all the things. Send us some DMs. Go ahead and review us on Apple Pod if you have an iPhone and that's how you're listening to us. Yes, please. And um, mm. it's been a great Monday. It's not Monday. It's, it's not Monday. It's Saturday. <laughs> it's been a great Saturday. I'm so glad we've completed this task. Yes. Um. Yes. And most of you are probably listening on Monday That's at work. I said that. Yeah, that probably is why you said that. So you're. It's already. It's, Monday already sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all hate Mondays, and so we're just not gonna make your day any better. No, we're just here to make it worse. Yep. So you're welcome. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we're gonna get off here and do other Saturday shit. Uh, Peter the llama. He did his job excellently today, holding my mic cord. Beautiful. So, um, in the meantime, uh, after this episode, please start drinking heavily and don't operate heavy equipment and stay. No, don't stay kind. <laughs> Be kind. <laughs> and stay weird. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Bye.